today. We lift, up, we lift you up and we acknowledge your presence. And we bow down before you, Lord. We thank you for your mercy. You said wherever two or three are gathered together in your name that you be here in the midst of us. So, Father, we thank you again for honoring us with your presence. Lord, we acknowledge the royalty in the room and his name is Jesus. We acknowledge you. It's all about you, Jesus. No flesh will glory in your presence, and we honor you. And, Lord, I just ask you to bless this message. Devil, I bind you. I break your power. I bind distraction. I command everybody's ears to open up so they can hear what heaven has to say to them. Lord, we thank you, Father, for this word of encouragement. We thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to fellowship around your word that runs swiftly, that's full of power and authority and majesty. We honor you and we bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I thank God for this opportunity to be able to come and brag on Jesus. That's how every, amen, every time I'm here, I feel like I get a chance to, I'm the cheerleader. Y'all just don't see my pom-poms. But I get a chance to talk about how great he is. That's been my assignment. The Lord told me years ago that I was to exhort. And that's what I do. I'm an exhorter. I'm a cheerleader. It's all about Jesus. He wins every football game. Because <laughs> see, the thing is, his opponent never shows up because he's the undefeated champion so we just love it so anyway today i'm going to encourage you with don't fling away your confidence amen during this time of it's a time of harvest for us but when you look on the news (laughs) what you see in the natural is not real amen so i just want to encourage you today don't fling away your confidence you know last month we talked about the power of expectation and it's so is everything all this works together all this, because if you, if you keep your, I love it, last Sunday, Pastor Barb said, expectation is in your heart. See, when you keep the expectation in your heart, and when you don't cast away your confidence, so you keep Jesus on the throne in your life. And that means nothing is impossible to him that believe. Amen. So I'm going to start out, and I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39. That's where I'm going to start. Okay, 35 through 39. It says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. That's why you don't cast it away. You've got to receive your promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come, and he won't tarry. But the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Don't draw back, y'all. That disappoints the Lord. Don't throw away your confidence and don't draw back. For we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. And what the writer was saying here, don't cast away your confidence. Though your vision, though your promise may tarry, wait for it. Don't don't draw back. Don't get mad at God. Keep expecting. Your faith will save, will see you through. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to read. I wrote it from the Amplified because I like the way they did it in the Amplified. It says, do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence. See, our confidence is fearless, but you got to feed it. You got to make it fearless. For it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance. 
to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising. So that when you have carried out the will of God, what does that mean, carried out the will of God? When you stood, when you stood, when you stood, when you bound the devil, when you broke his power, when you done, when you done everything God has told you to do, without compromise, you will receive and enjoy to the full what he has promised. So today we're talking about don't fling away your confidence. What is confidence? The feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. It's a firm trust. The state of feeling certain about the truth of something. Like I'm confident. I know who I am. I am Nola Darlene Dillard. Nobody can talk me out of that. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Have I ever seen it? No. But I know it's real. (laughs) I'm confident in it. I can't be talked out of it. There's a promise inside of my heart. And the Holy Spirit has sealed that promise inside of me. And then when I want to question whether or not the supernatural is real, I can pray in tongues because I got a, I got an invisible person that lives inside of me. And I can say, It's real. I can't see it, but it's real. He's inside of me. He lives inside of me. And one day I'll have a great reunion. One day I'm going to go to heaven. See, I can't be talked out of heaven. I have confidence in it. It's the state of feeling certain about the truth of something. See, I know Jesus is the truth. See, when I grew up, you know, my family was primitive Baptist, but then I went to a Catholic church. I didn't know what the truth was. I didn't know if I, you know, as I was a teenager, I was playing. I prayed to Mary and I prayed to Jesus. And then when I was in high school, we had all them different saints we had to pray to. At the end of the school year, when it was time to take our exams, we had to pray to the, the, to the saint that made you smart. When you forgot something, you had to pray. If if you lost something, we had, I think it was St. Anthony. Yep, St. Anthony, we had to pray to him. If you lost something, I ain't never, hey, I got the truth now. Got the truth now. There's only one name I can call on that I need to call on, and that name is Jesus. Confidence is a state of feeling certain about the truth of something. See, Jesus is the truth. If you have confidence in someone you feel that you can trust him. And see, I know I can trust Jesus. Verse 36 says, we have need of endurance. What is endurance? It's the ability or strength to continue or last, or last, despite fatigue. Because see, it's easier for me to say, oh, don't cast away your confidence or don't fling it away. You say, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't do that. I trust God. Oh, I've been, I've been walking with God for 30 years. But we're going we're gonna to get into that. <laughs> Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. This is the one thing I don't know if I could really probably get it on paper, but this is what I kept feeling like the Holy Spirit was showing me that confidence, because I had talked about it earlier this week with someone else. Confidence, it's like... um you can, it, it grows. It's like faith. Like faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, your confidence is the same way. It has substance. It has power, just like expectation. And see, you can feed your confidence with the word, and it makes you unshakable. So see, there's certain things we're unshakable about. We know we saved. We know we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We know when we pray in tongues, it's a heavenly language. It's not something from the kingdom of darkness. Because see, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's what the devil told me. Your tongues ain't real. And and I used to, and I, so I stopped praying in tongues. Because I didn't think they were real. I didn't have confidence yet. 
And I remember when Pastor, uh, I was sitting behind Pastor Barb at Brethren, and she said, you still praying in tongues? And I was like, no. And she said, uh, okay, we're going to pray with you one more time. She said, I'm going to get my sister this time. And that's when I met Pastor Shirley. <laughs> and I remember I was telling her, I said, well, I stopped praying in tongues because the devil told me my tongues were fake. And she said, well, the devil's a liar. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's been lying to me. So, you know, you got to snatch yourself. Because, see, some things we got confidence in. It's like, are you saved? Yeah. Are you healed? Uh, well, yeah, I'm healed. But are you healed? Are you saved? Are your kids going to obey God? Well, I know one day, because, you know, right now, are your kids going to? You know, certain things we're confident about, some stuff we still waver. We talk, as they say, we toddling on the fence. So today we're going to lock it all up. The devil's job is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And we got to remember this because our faith and our confidence and our trust will be tested. But the, God bless you. But the end of the book says that we come forth as true gold. See, it's one thing to read, oh, don't cast away your confidence. But when you are in the heat of the battle, the devil wants you to forget all your foundation. And so I'm just here to, I'm just your reminder. I'm the, I'm the chick before the exam. You know how you have that preview that, uh, you go over your notes and refresh you. So I'm, I'm your refresher so that we can all pass the exam. So first of all, we're talking about don't fling away your confidence. So how do you not do it? You got to know the characteristics and the strategy of your enemy. See, a good warrior studies war. That's why David was undefeated. He studied his enemy. And he always won. Daniel chapter 10. Let's look at that. We're talking about the characteristics and the strategy of the enemy. Daniel chapter 10, verse 11 and 13. And I'm going to go to it. Okay, 1250. Okay, and I'm on 10, and I'm going to read 11. This is Daniel. He prayed a prayer. Verse 11 says, And he said to me, O Daniel, this is an angel standing before him. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was still speaking his word to me, I stood I stood trembling. So Daniel was saying as the angel was talking to me, I was standing there trembling. Then he said to me, don't fear, Daniel. From, from, from how many vows? For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. And then Angel goes on to say that he was held up because of the prince. Oh, let me read it. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. See, the enemy can't steal from us unless we throw away our confidence through unbelief. See, Daniel was standing there trembling, feeling unloved because his his prayers hadn't been answered. First of all, 
verse 11, he said to Daniel, O man, greatly loved. And see, that's how it is when our, when our prayers are slow about being answered, we start feeling unloved. Then he told Daniel to fear not, because then you get into fear. I've been believing God for this. Nothing is happening. Nothing's moving. I don't see any change. Does God love me? Oh, my goodness. The fear sets in. What am I doing wrong? What do I need to do more of to make this? And, and the angel of the Lord assured Daniel. He said, first of all, you are greatly loved. Stand up. Quit trembling. He said, well, I heard you. He said, God heard you as soon as you prayed that prayer. And I was on my way, but I got held up. And that's what we got to remember. He hears us when we pray. He hears us. When the devil tells you it's not coming, you tell the devil, no, devil, he heard me. Just like he heard Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 10. He heard me. As soon as them words came out my mouth, he heard me. He heard me. I'm loved. My prayers will be answered. I'm going to read my notes again. The enemy can't steal from us unless unless we throw away our confidence through unbelief and doubt. He likes to delay then we start thinking God doesn't want us to have that particular prayer answered or he doesn't love us. We are loved and we are not overlooked. So know the strategy of your enemy. Don't cast away your confidence when it looks like a prayer is taking a long time. Mark chapter 5 verse 35 through 42. I'm just showing you some strategy the way the enemy likes to get us to throw away our confidence. That's his job. Steal, kill, destroy. And so I'm, 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 teaching i'm helping y'all to help me i'm i'm helping all of us to hold on and don't let go or robert said hold on to your faith rope why because the devil's going to be pulling it trying to get you to let go it's a lot of stuff on that rope marriage kids healing new house new jobs a lot of stuff to be on that rope and the devil be wanting you to let go all of us to let go mark chapter 5 35 through 42 this is talking about our our friend jairus I want to start at 35. So y'all, y'all already know the story about Jairus. While he was still speaking, okay, this is what I wanted to tell you. The next thing, so I already said the devil likes to slow down our prayers and make it think, make us think it's not going to happen. The next strategy the enemy likes to use, he likes to use the evil report. And so this is what we're going to do with Jairus. This is the example. The enemy likes to bring the evil report to us to get us to throw away our confidence. What do I mean by the evil report? I'm going to give you examples from my life. Especially when I was separated. And I was believing for a miracle. I was believing for reconciliation. I saw your husband with. See, that's the evil report. You know, you go to church. The pastor preaches on faith. You walk out of church feeling like a powerhouse. Oh, any day now, my family's going to be restored. Then you walk in the mall. You still married? Because I just saw your husband with. That happened to me. I was at the mall. I was at the mall. Yep, that happened to me. I felt like somebody had cut my neck off. That happened to me. Or the next one. You believe in God for your total manifestation. And you go to the doctor full of faith. Oh, he going to release me today. I'm off that medicine. And then they walk in the room. Two of them walk in the room. Your health report looks like this. You're going to cast away your confidence. See, the devil likes to bring the evil report. You know, you, you confess and like I have a plaque over my uh, in my living room. And it says, that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. So you believe that. You dance around that. You worship it. And then you, your girl, I saw your kids doing such and such. 
Hey, I got that phone call too. <laughs> I'm telling you what I know. I'm telling you what I know. That you heard from God moving forward, advancing. And then all of a sudden you get the letter in the mail. Thank you for your inquiry, but your credit was denied. He likes to bring the evil report. Do you stop or do you keep going? Hey, if they denied you, you move. You Next. Next. <laughs> you apply for this job. Oh, Lord, this job will work for me. I got weekends off. Oh, man, this is going to work. Get the letter to mail. Thank you for your applications, but we're looking for certain qualities that at this time you don't possess. You're going to cast away your confidence. Next. Go to the next one. Lord, you already said the door was open. That's what, you know, I I told y'all during the offering when Becky was applying for Cleveland Clinic and she called me crying. And I'm so glad when she calls me that's them days I'm feeling like invincible. Cause thank God she don't call me them days. And I'd be like, look girl, today I need somebody to encourage me. Don't be calling me. I thank God for God's mercy cause she don't usually call me on them days. So she called me on that day where I felt like Wonder Woman. And she got, I said, what you crying for? Cleveland Clinic said I, I didn't get a, the job. I said, yes you did. And she, she said, well they said, I said, you got the job. I said, are you gonna let go? Or are you gonna keep believing? I said, you got the job. I said, now we're going to pray and we're going to break the devil's power. I said, you got that job. And she said, oh, okay. <laughs> so we prayed. And I hung up the phone. And I was on my way to work and I kept praying in tongues. Because when she called me, I actually pulled over in a parking lot and we prayed. And then, uh, and then I, you know, anyway, I pulled off. So by the time I got from where I was, I pulled into my parking lot at work. And she called me back. And I was like... And she said, hi. I said, hi. The recruiter just called me back. They got a different position. They just offered me. And I said, hallelujah. Because <laughs> you, know, you, you know, God is, because, hey, I was shocked too. I ain't going to say, I knew, I know. I, I ain't going to lie to y'all like that. I mean, I know how I felt when I prayed and I know what to tell her. But it's easy when you're not sitting on the other end of that phone call, you know, and that was the same thing with Joshua when he applied for the graduate assistant program. You know, he's in college. And then the coaches, they have a graduate assistance program where they'll pay for your graduate school. And you got to write an essay and all that. And I was at work. And so, I mean, my kids know I'm going to tell it. So Joshua called me crying. I was at work. And I said, what's wrong? I didn't get into the graduate assistant program. So I walked out of my office and I went into the bus garage. I said, yes, you did. And he said, well, they said that, I said, apply again. I said, we done, we done been through college. We done prayed you to get a coaching job. We done prayed for you to get this graduate assistant. You done called the folks and asked for essays and letters of recommendation. You're in. Reapply. Write another essay. And he said, okay. <laughs> so a month later, it got approved and I was like Phew. <laughs> but it's easy when it, when you ain't on the other end of that phone call it's, it, so, but the devil likes to send the evil report always likes to send the evil report and y'all know I could go on and on about Josh and college and all that and, and so but 
But see, all these things build endurance. See, I had, see, the faith from Becky, I had it for Joshua. You know, so it it grows if you feed it. If you feed it. Like like when uh, when Joshua then won a football game, they got like three, two or three hours to celebrate. Because then it's like, okay, let's watch films. Let's see what we did wrong. Let's add to that. Whatever we did right, let's do more of that. And that's how Christians do sometimes. We get one victory, and then we sit back and think we're on easy street, and then the devil comes slap you upside the head, and you wonder how you done lost everything. You can't sit there. One victory, okay, thank you, Jesus. I give you the glory. Show me how to go. What's next? What else do I need? I want to be invincible. I want to be superwoman. I want to be when my kids call me. I, I, you know, I don't want to be. We don't. We can't both be scratching our head. Somebody gotta. Somebody gotta stand up for Jesus. Somebody don't cast away your confidence. Don't let the evil report knock you out. So when the devil comes, I saw your husband. I saw your kids. Your credit was denied. You don't qualify. Go to the next thing. What's next? That just. I guess that just wasn't where I was supposed to be. That's just not where I was supposed to be. So let's look at uh, when the Eve report came to Jairus. Mark chapter 5, 35 through 42. It says, while he was still speaking, some came. Is this where I want to? Yeah, okay, yeah, thank you. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter dead. Why travel with the teacher any further? I love it. As soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. I look, I like this because if you read this, he said, as soon as. So he like snatched Jairus up in the collar and said, fear not, only believe. Then verse 37 says, and he for- permitted no one to follow them except Peter, James, and John. So to me, in my eyes, my sight, I see him talking to Jairus, and then I see him turn around and say, get away from him. Don't follow us. You get away from him and shut your mouth. The Bible says he permitted no one to follow them. You can't follow us to the house. You don't, you don't utter another word. You get away from him. And that's what I like about Jesus. He ain't nobody to be played with. He permitted no one to follow him except for Jesus, except for Peter, James, and John, and the brother of James. Then he came to the house. How far? I'm going to 42. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, a tumult of those who wept and cried, cried like, "Why can't I talk today?" <laughs> well, you could one thing. I don't have to edit. I can. I can tell you what I what I mean. The etiquette may not be there. <laughs> but I can get my point across. They was out they was out there being fake, loud, crying, phony. And he came in and said to them, Why what y'all doing? <laughs> Why y'all making all this commotion and weeping? This child is not dead but sleeping. I love it. Jesus like snatched the covers off the devil every time. It's like, what are you doing? Go home. Go home. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all out the house, I love it. They ridiculed Jesus and he said, get out. Get out. And he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. And I love it. Immediately the girl arose and walked. 
for she was, she was 12 years old, and they were overcome with great amazement. See, the evil report almost got Jairus, but Jesus wouldn't let the evil report stick. He snatched, he snatched those words out of the atmosphere. He said, uh-uh, fear not, only believe. And then those that was running with the evil report, he said, you get away from him. You go, you get away from him, shut your mouth and don't utter another word. Then he got to Jairus' house and he said, what are you doing? Get away from here. Get out. She's alive. Jesus is a, he bad. He is bad. Can't nobody touch him. Undefeated champion. Nobody shows up in the ring because they can't lose. Jesus made Jairus hold on to his confidence. He told him only believe. Verse 37, Jesus permitted no one to follow him. All those with the evil report, he sent them away and shut them up. When Jesus got to the house, he put all the unbelievers out. We're talking about holding on to your faith, knowing the strategies of your enemy. So when you hold on to something, don't let your confidence wane. Don't let, don't drop your faith. Don't, don't, don't drop nothing. Hold on. Grab tighter. You know, like when you're holding a baby and it feels like the baby's slipping and you kind of grip it. That's how we got to do it with our faith and our confidence. You grab it tighter. You grab tighter. John chapter 21, verse 3 through 17. I'm going to read this. This is another strategy the enemy likes to use for to make us throw away our confidence. Guilt. Guilt. Okay, I'm going to read this from my phone. Okay, it's Luke. Okay, so hopefully I got it. It's Luke. 22, and then I'm going to, let me get into, did I say John, girl, let me go to John now. <laughs> okay, let me go to John, let me, let me go to, I wrote, I wrote my page number down, so let me go to my page. I get excited and it's like, ooh, ooh. Okay, page 1614. Oh, I know. Okay, yes. Okay. John, 21. Oh, yeah. Three. Okay. I do know why I said that. Before I read that, I'm going to read you something from my phone. Okay. This is called when you're driving on the way to church, the Lord gives you something else. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm going to include that. Yes, thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay, so Luke 22, 3, 31. Okay, so this is what I'm saying. The devil likes to use guilt. To make you throw away your confidence. And we're going to use Peter. Y'all know I love Peter. He was radically transformed. Radically transformed. So I'm just going to give y'all a little background on Peter. Luke 22. Verse 31 and 32. And see this is what Peter forgot. Simon, Simon, Peter. Listen. Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain. But I have prayed, especially for you, Peter, 
that your faith and your confidence in me may not fail. And you once, and you, once you have turned back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. So this is what Peter forgot when he was living over in the land of pity and guilt because he knew he had denied his king three times. He forgot that Jesus told him this. Now I'm going to go over to uh, John 21. So I'm talking about don't cast away your confidence. One of the strategies the devil likes to use is guilt when we mess up and we feel like we've done the, as the Catholics will say, the unpardonable sin. See, I can only say where I've been there. You know, when I was in Catholic school, it was like, well, if you do this, you can get forgiven. But if you do that, there's, we got pardonable sins and unpardonable sins. And of course, you know, when I was in school, I always felt like I did the unpardonable sins. So, so this is real to me because when I found out Jesus forgives everything and don't hold grudges, set a sister free. (laughs) Set me free. So anyway. I'm gonna, okay, now I'm gonna go to, uh, now I'm gonna go to John 21, and I'm gonna start reading verse 3, 17. It says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we're gonna go with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Because y'all know this is when Jesus has risen from the dead. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? He knew they ain't catch nothing all night. They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast the net and now they were not able to draw it up because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. They knew it was Jesus. That was his calling card. Remember the miracle catch? When he first met Peter. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment that he had removed and he plunged into the sea. He knew it was Jesus. He knew he was forgiven. His rescuing knight was standing there on the shore. I'm going to keep going where I want to stop at. It's all good. I love talking about Peter. Then the other disciples came to the, do I want to keep going? No, let me see. Because let me see where I want to stop at. Because we're we're in, um, yeah, I'm going to go down to 17. Then the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubics dragging the net of fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and the bread. See, Jesus already had breakfast for them. He already had fish on the fire. Jesus said to them, bring some, bring some of the fish, which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Why? Because this was a supernatural thing. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he had raised, after he had been raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, because this is our focus, our focus right now is on Peter. The example how guilt will make you lose your confidence. He says, Simon, son of Jonah, 
Do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said it to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, well then feed my sheep. See, Jesus told Peter, remember, I just, I read Luke earlier because Jesus had already told Peter before he fell into that snare with that girl didn't, uh, uh, um, recognizing him and him denying Jesus. Jesus already prepped Peter. He said that the enemy has already asked to sift you like, what, like wheat to sift you. You know how your grandmama had that sifter? Yeah. You, <laughs> He's already told him that, but he, he, I love it because Jesus never said, I'm praying that you don't have to go through that. No, he said, I pray, I'm going to pray for you that your faith don't fail because he knew it would. He already, see, he set Peter up for success, but Peter thinks he got set up for failure. See, Jesus told Peter he was going to make him a fisher of men. Remember when he told him that when he his first encounter with Peter, when he had the miracle catch and when he got all that fish, he fell down at Jesus's feet and told him to depart from him because he was a, a sinful man. Jesus overlooked all that when he first met Peter and he told Peter, he said, look, you a man of God. You're going to start catching me. And after this, but Peter was so guilt written. He assumed that assignment was canceled since he had denied Jesus three times. See, Peter, Jesus already knew Peter was going to do that. He already knew it. He already had a door of restitution for him. Peter went back to fishing. Why did he go back to fishing? Jesus told him to be a fisher of men. He went back to what was com- comfortable for him. He laid down the ministry and went back to what he was doing before he met Jesus. But his confidence was so shot Although he went back to what he knew, what he had been trained to do, he still didn't catch no fish all night long. But Jesus. Jesus totally restored him. And he reassured Peter that his assignment from heaven had not been revoked. And that's what we got to remember. When we mess up, which we all do, you got to know that the gifting and the callings of God are without repentance. Because, see, I had, I've had disappointments in my life, and I felt like God couldn't possibly want to use me any longer. And it's like, who told you that? People? Not God. He said the gifting and the callings of God are irrevocable. Meaning, if I called you to the fivefold, and you got temporary insanity and walked away and was doing everything that you thought you was big enough to do, and you come to your senses like the prodigal son, you still called. You get up, you take a blood bath, you be godly sorrow, sorry, you don't look back and you forge ahead. The gifting and the callings of God are without repentance. Don't let guilt of your past make you fling away your confidence. This is what we must know. We, we must know that he's faithful. 
We must know that he's full of forgiveness. We must know that he's full of love. This is what we must know. Okay, Psalms 89. I want to read this from my phone too. Because I like the Amplified, some of the things I'm reading from the Amplified. So let's go to Psalms 89. So these are things, some things we must have locked on the inside of us so that we don't cast away our confidence. Because our confidence has great reward. Great reward. Psalms 89. Verse. Let's go. Psalms. I'm in Psalms. 89. Oh, this is funny. I've got Psalms 89, verse 33 through 15. (laughs) So if you can figure it out, I will too. (laughs) Oh, man, maybe it was just, I think the whole thing was all good. Okay, let me start it up. <laughs> I guess I'll go down to verse 33. So I guess I was going to read backwards. This is a promise. This is David. And y'all know David was human, like us. Did a whole lot of stuff. Our resume, we, we disqualify ourselves, and sometimes our resume don't look like David's. He murdered somebody. Set him up. Not like it was a, he was defending himself and killed somebody. He said it, it was premeditated. It was premeditated. He was in adultery. There were several things. He got, he threw away his confidence and started fighting with the enemy. <laughs> so our resume don't even look like David's and we want to disqualify ourselves and throw away our confidence. But despite all that, God made this. Psalms 89, when you feel like the scum of the earth, you need to go read Psalms 89 and look at how much God loves you. And how much everything he promised you, he still will bring it to pass. Because he's, he's not a liar. He's not a liar. Verse 33 says, Nevertheless, I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. And that's what you got to know. When, you, when your confidence look like it weighs one pound. And you hanging on by your broken fingernail. You got to tell yourself, you know what? God is not going to break his confidence with me. His loving kindness will never be taken from me. His faithfulness can't fail. My covenant, verse 34, my covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. Once for all, I have sworn my holiness, my vow, which cannot be violated. And that's what you've got to know. If God made you a promise, he said, I will not violate it. I will not lie to David. And that's what you got to know. I will not lie to Miss Pat. I will not lie to Vicky. I won't lie to Darlene. He will not lie to us. His covenant, he'll never remove it from us. You got to know this. It's like, how do I hold on to my confidence when it looks like everything is the contrary? Get back in the word. See, your faith has to be in God and not yourself. Because if our good works, all our good works got us was a quick ticket to hell. That's all it got us. But when we surrendered our lives and gave our life to Jesus Christ and made him Lord and Savior, he became the overseer of our life. He's our guardian. He has the power of attorney in our life. So our faith has to be in the confidence of the faithful one. That's how you hold on to your faith. Feed your confidence by meditation. 
by meditation on the character of God, the one who cannot lie or violate his commandments. And and remember this, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices so that he don't get a chance to take advantage of you. Because if you don't know your enemy, he will sneak up on you and he will take advantage of you. First Peter 1 and 25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. So that means your confidence can endure too. You believe him for something. It's been a year. Okay. It's been two years. Okay. Your confidence is, is in the word. <laughs> it's not in you. Not in you. You know, I was married three years before I had little Howard. The doctors told me I would never have children. And it was very disheartening. It was very discouraging. Then after we got the the last report, we had the fertility pills. I had the hormone shots. And then when it just looked like, you know, then they had, well, Miss Pat, they had me on the schedule where you try to figure out when you ovulate. That was all jacked up. They couldn't, (laughs) they couldn't get a reading on that. And I gave up. Lost my confidence. Huh? 32, what? Uh, how old I was? Girl, I ain't going to tell you how old I was. <laughs> I love her. I just love her. Girl, shoot. What you thought? <laughs> so after the, you know, the last, that evil report. Well, it looks like, I'm sorry, you know, you're, you're bare and you want me to have kids and da 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 and you know you and I never did have like a regular cycle even when high school but in high school you don't care because especially when you wear a uniform every day and you go to a Catholic school I was like so what and <laughs> and so they saw all this effects and so I did, I lost my confidence in having children lost my confidence in a marriage. My father-in-law was very disappointed that his oldest son was not going to have children. Our marriage fell apart. You know, I just, confidence gone. But then I met Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Then I met Jesus. Yep. So it, I mean, I thank God it didn't, um, marriage fell apart. We were separated for almost a year. During that time, that's when I got born again and baptized in the Holy Ghost and and it's been uphill ever since. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yes, hallelujah. Yes. Yeah, Miss Jan said, sound like Jesus to me. Yes. Yes, amen. Okay, I'm going to read you something else from, I'm going to read it out. Okay, Jeremiah 1. Oh, I wrote it down. Jeremiah 1. Verse 12, the Amplified says, Then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. And that's another thing that helps us with our confidence. When you confess God's word, He watching over. You ain't got to. <laughs> that's His job. Jeremiah 1, 12, Amplified says, Then the Lord said to me, Jeremiah the prophet, You have seen well, for I am actively watching over my word to fulfill it. Alicia don't have to stay up all night watching over Isaiah 53. That's his job. He said he don't sleep nor does he slumber. What you sitting up 
watching the word for. That's his job. He's going to fulfill his word. His word never returns void. We're talking about not flinging away our confidence. Our job is to hold on. We walk by faith and not by sight. Our job is to hold fast to the confession of our faith. Remember, it's on Christ, the solid rock that we stand. And like I said earlier, you got to hold on to your confession and you're just going to have to say it till you see it. Say it till you see it. And after you see it, say some more. Keep saying it. We overcome by the, uh, what's, what's that scripture? We overcome by the, uh, the, that's it. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Keep saying it till you see it. Keep saying it till you see it. So I had a, I want to read you something. Cause on Monday, I had, um, I mean, I put it in my photos so I could get to it quick. Monday, I had shared my, shared this with my family. For we walk, Second Corinthians 5 and 7. I did this in a New Living Translation. Y'all know I send a, a daily encouragement to my family. It started during the pandemic because some of my cousins, I have a good amount of family members that work in the hospital. So I started out just giving them something to meditate on during the day. So anyway, Second Corinthians 5, 7, New Living Translation. It says, for we live by believing and not by seeing. We are more familiar with the translation that says we walk by faith and not by sight. Don't let what you see in the natural kill your faith. Expectation is in our hearts, not what we see in the natural. You can't focus on the negative bank account. You have to talk to it and command it to grow. You can't look at the infirmity in your body and bow down to it. You have to give your body the word and command it to obey. I can go on and on about those negative situations that we're believing God to change supernaturally. Open your eyes to the supernatural and don't look through wrong lenses. And that's what I shared with my family um, on Monday. And then I, uh, how much time do I, I'm probably good on time. Uh, okay, I want to, because I wrote it down because I didn't want to miss anything. Because we're talking about not flinging away your confidence. And I want to give you... John Osteen and Miss Doty's testimony. Y'all know John and Miss Doty. And, um, you know, for those who don't, John Osteen and Miss Doty Osteen is Joel Osteen's parents. And I used to watch, uh, Brother John every Sunday night at midnight for, until he went home to, to be with the Lord. And so this is, uh, I know the testimony, but I just wrote some things down because I don't want to forget it. And so Brother John was talking about they have, uh, they at this time they had uh, their conference, their their church wasn't as large as it is now, you know, because the size of the church now, his dad grew that, you know, and, and Joel just took over that. But when it was much smaller, they used to have a conference every year and they provided everything. All you had to do was show up. They provided the lodging, all the food and everything. So during this one particular conference, he said, you know what, I want to believe God for some cows, you know, Texans. And he said, I'm just going to believe God that somebody's going to donate the cows. They'll even dress it for, dress them for us and cut it up and blah, blah, blah. And that made sense to me because, see, my dad, every November, my father uh, used to go deer hunting. He always went to corn in New York. We had some friends up there. And my daddy always came home. We had a station wagon with that bloody deer on top of that station wagon. Because he liked to dress his own meat. So he'd go down in that basement and he would dress. It was the... 
But anyway, my daddy dressed his own meat, you know, so I got what he was saying. It didn't sound gory. He said, I'm just going to believe for somebody to slaughter it, you know, cut up my steaks and beef, and, and we're just going to have a high time in the Lord, and all the food was going to be provided for. And he said he kept confessing and believing, and as the day got closer and closer, he said the, the devil started threatening him. Oh, John, the conference is in such and such days. You really think somebody going to give you some cows? And he said he just, he kept, he held on. He held on, and then I think it might have been a week or two out, and the devil said, now, John, you know you got the money to buy this meat. Why are you believing for somebody to give you some cows? And John started getting nervous because the day was approaching. And he said, you know what, I really do have the money in the bank. Uh-oh. I really do have the money in the bank. Why am I worrying about these cows? Why am I up all night long believing God for somebody to donate this meat for the conference when I got the money in the bank? Why am I doing this? And John Osteen said he remembered when he released his faith. He remembered when he dropped confidence. He said, I remember it. He said, this was years ago. But I remember when I let go. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go buy it. He said, I bought the meat. We had a high old time. And uh, he said the conference was wonderful. And he went on. Didn't think no more about them cows. And one night, John Osteen had a dream. And he said he was walking through the field and he saw some snakes out in the field. And he said those were the biggest snakes he had ever seen in his life. And he said as he got closer, he looked at the shape of the snakes. They had swallowed some cows. And the Lord let him know, you lost confidence. This wasn't about no cows. I was trying to teach you how to use your faith for the impossible. He said, you let the devil steal that from you. He said, this wasn't about no cows. And then about three years later, if y'all know Miss Doty's testimony about the liver cancer. About three years later, Miss Doty, they sent her home to die. And he said he got before the Lord. Y'all know Norval Hayes helped them with that miracle too. He said, I, he said, I'll never forget I got before the Lord. He said, Lord, you know what? A few years ago, I lost some cows. He said, but I ain't losing Doty. He said, we're not going to lose confidence this time. We're going to hold on. He said, they sent my wife home to die. He said, Dodie, stand up. Because this was like a real old video. And this is, you know, and she stood up. And he said, when Dodie came home from the hospital, when she got strong enough to come to church, he said, y'all used to see Dodie on the stage praying for people and crying. He said, y'all thought she was crying because she was full of of the Holy Ghost and the compassion of God. He said, no, she was crying because she was in pain. But she wouldn't let go of her confidence. She wouldn't let go of her confidence. Amen. Amen. And y'all know Miss Doty's still here. (laughs) And that testimony, you know, she got that diagnosis almost 40 years ago. I remember I saw her because she said when she got healed, when when the Lord healed her, she said, Lord, just give me 30 more years. And I remember her sitting with, uh, this is, uh, she was, I could see her sitting on a couch. I think she was talking to Miss Gloria and I think she was talking to Kelly Copeland. And she said, she was sitting there talking to her going on. She said, I still read my scriptures every day. She said, wait a minute, you know what? That's been 30 years. Oh Lord, I need some more years. <laughs> and I, I looked at her, I screamed because she, I mean, it was just like it was so, she said, 
That's been 30 years. Lord, I need some more years. And so that's been over 40 years. And so they don't show it on TV, but on Saturdays they have healing school. Miss Doty still lays hands on the sick and prays for people. But John Osteen said, I, I'll never forget that. He said, I thought I had got away with it until I had that dream. The Lord showed me them cows. And he said, you let the devil steal your cows. He said, it, he said, God don't care about no cows. He said, but he was trying to show me how to use my faith. Something simple. He always started us out with something simple. I remember when I first moved to the country, y'all know I like my flowers. And, uh, and I like, a, I like a pretty yard. And I remember when we first moved to the country, ugh, we had clay. It was just awful. It was just not where I live now in Shelby, but it was just awful. And everything was so dry, she didn't have a lot of stuff out there. Well, actually, the house had been, uh, empty for two years when we moved, first moved to the country, and the wife had died. And it was, the yard was just needed Jesus. Girl, I remember what, <laughs> it needed Jesus. This is how bad it was. The day, I know some of y'all, uh, most of y'all, well, Miss Pat, Miss Jan, y'all remember Corrine. You remember Corrine. Corrine helped us move. And I remember we was moving in, and I looked up, and I didn't see where Corrine was. She was out in my yard pulling weeds. It was that bad. <laughs> and she knew how I was about my yard. And I remember there was this uh, greenhouse I used to pass all the time. And I had stopped in there there one day just to um, just to see what she had, you know, because most of my stuff that I had from living in Cleveland, I got stuff from Pastor Shirley. I got stuff from Diane McCarthy. You know, I just got stuff from everywhere. And I walked in that greenhouse and she said, well, you know what? We're getting close to Labor Day and they come. They check. We can't hold stuff over. She said, so just get what you want. It's free. <laughs> you see, he starts us out small with the things we like. With the things we like. Because there was a lot of stuff. I used to kick myself and say, why did I leave this on, why did I leave that on Thornhill? And I just went to Fatidi's and bought this. And I just went to Fatidi's and I bought that. Why did I leave that? Because the girl was moving out of a trailer and didn't, didn't have nothing. And I wanted her to have a pretty yard. And, uh, everything. And what I didn't get free, I had an older driver, Mr. Kelly. Most folks didn't like him because he seemed real gruff. You got them, you know them kind. It just, and I, he liked me. I don't know why. <laughs> and yard was beautiful. And one day I told Mr. I said, Mr. Kelly, I said, Ooh, when you thin out your yard, think about me next year. I said, because I need a lot of stuff. Because the stuff that I got from the greenhouse, those were, what, what don't come up every year? They were annuals. They were annuals. She gave me a lot of annuals, which was beautiful. You know, I was thankful. But I wanted some perennials. I wanted some stuff. So Mr. Kelly said, girl, you need to go to the auction. And I was offended. And I was like, oh, okay. He don't want me to have nothing out of his pretty yard. Okay. Note it. Don't ask him. Don't say nothing else about his yard. And so I was doing some business for Howard. And I had dropped off some paperwork in one of the offices over there. And um they had, they had all these, like, hanging baskets sitting in the office. And I was like... Where did I get all these hanging baskets from? And she said, oh, we went to the auction. And I said, what auction? And they said, the auction in Homerville. I said, here we go again. I said, what's the auction in Homerville? you never been there? And I said, no. I said, somebody from my job told me to go there because he didn't want to give me flowers out of his yard. <laughs> so, so, 
so they oh no 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 look you gotta go you gotta go something auction okay so i found out what days the auctions were so i told becky i said we're going to the auction we're going where i said we're going to the auction it was only like 20 minutes from my house pull up all you see is grass and horses and it was hot that day and it smelt terrible and flies were everywhere so i got out the car and i said come on becky she said "Uh -uh." uh-uh uh-uh i'm not getting out the car and all them little amish kids was looking you know because i'm the i'm the most colorful thing in the lot and the Amish kids looking, and I turned around to her. I said, get off this car right now. Get off this car right now. I'm going to kill you. So she said, okay, okay. So I, we got out the car. So we went to the window, and they said, you know, some American people there. What they call them? English. They call us English. There's some English people there. They said, oh, honey, just go to the window, get a number, blah, blah, blah. And the girl that was doing the auction stuff, she was American, so I could understand her. I saw... The hibiscus flower, you know, that I left in Thornhill. I saw all these dogwood trees that I left in New London. And then, uh, so I was kind of watching everybody and I said, okay, when you see something, you put your number up and hopefully you're not outbidded. To make a long story short, when I left out of there, we had two tr- rolling trailers, like flatbed things. I don't know, but see, you'd have to get it in lots. So I was like, oh, that's the tree like I had on Thornhill. I want one. And they said, well, come to set of four. So I was like, I want it. I want it. Nobody else was bidding on it. So I was like, I'm getting it. So I got four of them trees. And then the hibiscus, I don't even know what they were. I mean, it was just a miracle. Flats of flowers. You might have had to get three, but they were maybe $4 a flat. Beautiful flowers. Hostas. Like there was this one lady that was there and she said, what are you looking for? And I said, I don't know. I need everything. She said, well, I collect hosta. She said, you know, they come in like 200 different varieties. And I said, uh, no. She said, yeah. She said, I just come because I like to get the different varieties. She said, usually you can get them for like a dollar. And I was like, really? <laughs> so we left that auction. I don't even think I spent $30. I, if that. And, and then, you know, they, cause when you win that bid, then they write your name on it. Girl, by the time we got ready to leave, I had them two flat beds. Becky kept saying, what else did we win? She was, she was, oh, that got our number. She was snacking stuff, loading up our flat bed. Then they had the food trucks with the french fries and the onion rings. She was like, this was so fun. So she, we, cause you know, with the Amish, when you start out them auctions, they have like the, the uh, perishable stuff. So they'll have like the pies and the cookies and the small, the small lots. Then they go to the flowers and then the stuff like that. And, but see, that's how God will start you. He'll start you with something small. My thing was, I wanted to beautify my yard. I wanted some flowers. I got the free annuals and then the Lord opened the door for me to get the perennials. And I thought Mr. Kelly was being funny cause I was a little dark, you know. <laughs> And I remember I told him, I said, I went to the auction. And then he, I thought he'd say, good. You know, he, he yelled at me, never go before Memorial Day. And I said, okay. He said, it's high. You go after Mother's Day. That's when you get your best deals. I said, okay. So, so I learned he really loved me. He was just trying to help a sister out. So God starts us out small, 
and builds us up so that we don't what? Fling away our confidence. And so this is, I just got a little show and tell. And this ain't not my, the Holy Spirit kind of showed me this. So I can't say, this was so profound. So who's heard of the Hope Diamond? No, any, have you? So do y'all know how much it's worth? $350 million. The Hope Diamond. And so this is what the Lord wanted me to tell y'all. You got to see your confidence as the Hope Diamond. Would you fling this away if it was worth $350 million? What would you do? You would hold it. That's how we got to do our faith and our confidence. So I'm just going to pass this around. So when next time the devil try to discourage you, say, you know what? I'm going to hold on to my confidence. It's priceless. My faith will open doors that no man can close. My faith will do for me what no man can do for me. So that's just your show and tell. That's our faith and our confidence. Hold on to it. It's priceless. It's priceless. It's priceless. So, Father, we honor you. We worship you. We lift you up and we magnify you, Lord. We thank you for another opportunity to be in your presence and come up higher in you. Lord, I just ask you to bless your people here. Father, give everybody here their heart's desire. And, Lord, we repent and we ask for forgiveness for areas in our life where we made you small and our, and our problems larger. Father, forgive us for casting away our confidence. Forgive us, Lord, for every time we've been angry with you. Forgive us, Father, where we've had guilt and condemnation and we felt like that you had changed your mind about us. And Lord, we thank you that you are not a man that you would lie. And we honor you, we lift you up, and we bless you. We bless you. We love you, Jesus. There's nobody like you. You are matchless in all your ways. Your love is unexplainable. Your peace passes all understanding. And Lord, your mercy, it endures forever. Lord, we thank you that you're not a covenant breaker, but you keep covenant with us. And Lord, it will run through our bloodline. That covenant that you've made with us like you made with David, it will never be broken. And we thank you and we honor you, Father. We lift you up and we magnify you. Let's make our declaration. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. And Lord, we thank you that by your stripes we are healed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't cast away your confidence. Thank you, Jesus.